Okay. Okay. Ah, season six. Muffin Locks. Right, I need you to say you're listening to the West End Frame Show. You're listening to the West End Frame Show. Welcome back to the West End Frame Show. I am so excited to be back. It feels like we have been away for so, so, so long. Um, But yeah, we've been off air since the end of December, so it only seemed right to kick off this brand new season with a special catch-up episode, because Theatreland has been busy, and I've seen a whole bunch of shows. I'm your host and West End Frame editor, Andrew Tomlins, and as today's episode is going to be hardcore, I knew I needed a hardcore co-host by my side. (laughs) Having spent many years writing for the stage, including five years as deputy editor, she is the founding editor of one of the UK's top theatre websites, musicaltheatrereview.com. So welcome back to the West End Frame Show, Dame Lisa (laughs) Martin! A hardcore dame! (laughs) I'm so honoured. Nothing but a hardcore day. day. I won't try and sing. You're so much better at that than I am. Um, How are you? I'm very excited to be here. And I was thinking before, um, you know, when you asked me, how wonderful it is to be sitting here talking about loads of shows. It still feels like a bit of a novelty. And I know that there's all kinds of issues still with COVID. But, you know, to be able to to be sort of chatting about all these shows totally. that are, you know and tours as well that are managing to go around the country so it just feels extra exciting to, to be yeah, able so to talk right about because them. when we finished that last season in December everything was going kind of a little bit tits up like it yeah. wasn't good I mean when I was starting the year um even well actually just with musical theatre review just before Christmas and at the beginning of the year all the stories I seemed to be writing were about shows postponing or cancelling their runs or you know sort of cast members poorly that were cancelled you know emergency understudies i know i mean so it's amazing stories about people stepping in wonderful things yeah yeah Yeah. i was um, almost painted green (laughs) i'm still waiting for that day (laughs) you know i mean you could possibly do any role in that show (laughs) (laughs) but you know alphabet's the one obviously something (laughs) Um, but no, when I sat watching Dreamgirls, I managed mm. to see Dreamgirls just at the very end of December, just before I was in Liverpool, just before Christmas, just before I got COVID. Yeah. And um, I was sat there thinking, you know, is this the last show that I'm going to see for a while? And thankfully yeah. it wasn't. But both our shows, the next day we were going to be seeing Book of Mormon and The Wiz in Manchester and they both got cancelled. Yeah. Um, and it really felt like I was worried. I was like, what if this is it for a little bit? Somehow we're here and... Shows it, yay! And theatre is surviving, and we have been to the theatre together. We have, which is like so exciting, and yeah, it's just great. I know there are still problems. You know, it's it's very difficult. I mean, it's very sad when you hear like runs finishing early or tours. There have been tours that obviously have gone off, and those are people's lives and jobs. Um, so it's it's not when I'm obviously we're not making out. It's sort of somehow a perfect world again now, but um, but it's just brilliant that 
you know stuff is looking it is you know this the kind of future is looking a bit more optimistic people need theatre uh, hopefully people are going you know there'll be more people back in london now but yeah going to work, more think, people to yeah. go to shows tourists will be coming in hopefully as the year goes on things will get better and it's not just about the sort of industry surviving and p- people's jobs which is obviously you know huge priority but it's about the well-being of the audiences that go as well you know i think it's it's underestimated how important the arts are to people's well-being in general. That was underestimated during lockdown when it wasn't given the, the industry wasn't given the funding it deserved, and freelancers mm. weren't given the funding they deserved. So, you know, but the audiences, you know, that's why it's so incredible. It's not just popular because you know it's a bit of entertainment. It's popular because it is people's part part of their lives and it contributes hugely to their well-being you know lisa sat down today <laughs> and she said i'm gonna be really professional i prepared and you have not disappointed look at that amazing monologue <laughs> come no, on intellectual I hadn't, I hadn't, or what i hadn't prepared that I, I suppose i feel like that myself you know because i think it's quite hard to get your mojo back i, I think, know exactly what you you're know, saying i agree entirely it? it's quite hard to sort of word you know, for so many, de- you know, all of us, even who love to go see it all the time, there were times when I thought, oh, do I want to, you know, get back into it because, you know, I'm safer and more cosy at home, you know, and I haven't got oodles of theatre on my doorstep where I live, but once you, you're you in there and you're sat in the auditorium and, like, the music starts, you know, you're... Nothing compares. Nothing compares, no, no. And there's been some exciting news, some things have been happening. Yes, One thing that, we're not going to have a normal news section today, we'll start normal episodes very soon, but we can't not talk about this. A couple of weeks ago, casting was announced for the return of Anything Goes, which is returning for a short tour ahead of another run at the Barbican. And the first lady of the West End, <laughs> another dame, Carrie Ellis, yeah. is set to star as Reno Sweeney. The stagey people in this world are going to be bankrupt as they all go on tour with her. I mean, so we were discussing the other day, actually, when we saw each other, that this is a really exciting role for Carrie, isn't it? She's going to surprise people, yeah, is what I, you said. I, I do think she's going to surprise people because, um, you know, she's she's sort of always been, a, you know, she's always around um, in, and we know of her sort of... I think it's I think it's that the diehard theatre fans who may be a little bit older have seen Carrie, uh, you know, in big um, leading roles in musicals. But um, she hasn't done that so much lately. So kind of some of the younger theatre goers who probably know of her but haven't had an opportunity to do that, I think that she's going to knock their socks off. Also, she's known for you know her, her growls and her yeah. belting yeah. and you know Alphabet and Meat and Nancy and this is a you know dance heavy, very yes. different kind of role. But let us not forget that she went to Lane Theatre Arts, which is known as for being a primarily a dance college, especially when she yeah. was there. Um, and she could dance and she's an ensembling and swinging in her early days so I just feel like she's going to be able to show us a whole new side of her talents and her voice now when I see her in concerts obviously I love it when she sings Divine Gravity when she belts out Mm. songs and lots of Stephen Schwartz stuff but she also does have this beautiful kind of jazzy tone and whenever she's singing some Cole Porter or whatever she's she just sounds glorious. I think singing this score, if anything goes, will just be phenomenal. She's going to sound yeah. great. I think she's been so busy doing concerts. Um, she has an amazing she, career. Yeah. You know, and, Brian also, May and all the and stuff with Brian May and everything. And, and that's kept her really busy as well. And um, so, yeah, but I think now, I mean, and we've seen her in, cap, you know, in a cabaret, into more intimate setting as well. 
And um, I think she, you know, is going to surprise people. She's the all-round package, isn't she? You know, she can belt. She can, yeah. you know, she's got the subtlety for, you know, those kind of charming, beautiful Cole Porter ballads and, totally. and songs and everything. And then she's really going to knock it out of the park on the, on the dance. So I think she's perfect casting, which has taken some people by surprise. But I think she is going to really so sort excited. of, you know... Yeah, she's going to be brilliant. Bonnie so Langford's going into oh, it. Bonnie's going, she's going to be amazing. And then lots of returnees, including Samuel Edwards and Cardi Mercedes Dyer. It's going to be brilliant. The tour opens in Bristol on the 11th of April, and then it's going to visit Liverpool and Edinburgh and Canterbury and Manchester before coming to the Barbican in London from the 15th of July. Also, this news killed me because <laughs> um, I love the colour purple. Yeah. And I also, I, I've only seen Cynthia Revo, Sara Seeley, and I did wonder if she might be cast in the film and everyone's getting so excited. Mm. But it's actually been announced that Fantasia will star as Seeley in the film version of The Colour Purple. So this is a, a film of the, a film version of the musical, cool. yeah. um, which is super exciting. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's not, because obviously there was a sort of straight yeah, film, has... which, you know, ma- you know, so many people, and which is an incredible The same uh, as, you know, like, film. they're doing a Matilda Gone. musical movie, aren't they? They are. And obviously knows. there was an original Matilda yeah. sort of, It's an interesting know. kind of cycle that it we're now is, seeing more it? of. Um, yeah. But Fantasia, Fantasia, she played Seeley back in 2007 on Broadway and then did it on the tour in the US in yeah. 2010. But there's just videos of her singing I'm Here at like, I think it's like her last I show. I saw some of those on social media. And it's just yeah. insane. And then also she's going to be alongside Danielle Brooks, so Sophia, who I did see do it on Broadway yeah. um, in 2015. And she was phenomenal. Everyone knows her from Orange is the New Black and all sorts of great stuff. Um, and yeah, Halle Berry, who has just done The Little Mermaid as Ariel, the live action remake. Um, she's playing Nettie, and I, I'm just so excited. It is this new cycle is quite it's quite interesting, isn't it? So there was originally a film which was kind of a straight drama. Then there's like the stage version. Then there's a film of the stage version. I mean, it's very it's really exciting for music people who yeah. love musical theatre because there's so many sort of new musical movies out there. Yeah. Um, you know, recently West Side Story, Tick Tick We boom. went through a phase where we didn't have any Anything. musical movies and it's they like were not kind cool of There's as a whole well. renaissance in that, whether you like them or not. You know, some, you know, you've had. You know, I think over sort of Christmas, beginning of the year, Dear Evan Hansen, West Side Story, Tick Tick Boo, um, some of which are accessible, obviously, on streaming platforms as well. And, you know, whether you, what you think, or of course, Jamie, everybody's talking about Jamie as well. And, you know, some are better than others, you oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone said to me, I had a list of suggestions <laughs> that I should do a spe- we should do a special episode about the movie musical. Uh, well, you could easily fit it year. now, which is brilliant, isn't it, isn't it? Because there's been this renaissance. Um, but that cast, as you say, going back to that cast, that sounds fantastic. I saw some of the clips you meant, you know, you mentioned of um, Fantasia, yeah, of Fantasia um, on social media when the news came out, and she, and that looked incredible. And there was there were some fun clips as well of, um, you know, Oprah Winfrey offering them when they got their parts, you know, sort of when they thought they were just going to talk to the director and then Oprah. That's the new thing they did that when Cynthia and, and Ariana got when wicked, wicked, right? And the yeah. photos of their reaction and stuff. It's the very, yeah, that's I know, that must do. be a thing now. I um, know. But no, excite, I mean, anything like that, you know, where you can, and you'll see, and accessible also beyond the theatre audience. So, you know, because yeah. it's This on story cinema. will touch a lot of yeah, people. And, you, I mean, know. It, you know, it being told in a new way, in a different 
uh, platform is just going to be incredible. Yeah. No. Listen, we have a lot of shows. We do. How are we going to fit them all in? Shall we dive in and see if we can fit <laughs> it all in? We can do it. So coming up, well, actually, you can dive into some of the refreshments. We have a whole refreshments oh, area yeah, on our snacks. table. Cream eggs, Harry Bow, mini eggs, smarty buttons, DCs. They're all very nutritional and healthy. <laughs> yeah. Healthy eating is not sponsored um, on no, the West End Frame Show. Uh, sorry, coming up, we are going to be discussing nine shows, <laughs> including Moulin Rouge, Dream Girls, Operation Mincemeat, Get Up, Stands Up, The Wiz, and lots more. Okay, so first up, we're going to dive in and discuss some shows. So the big show to have opened this year, the first major West End musical opening of 2022 was Moulin Rouge, mm. the musical. And Lisa, I had a history with this show because I was supposed to see it on Broadway <laughs> oh in April 2020. That was going to be my Saturday night oh, on Broadway I show. Oh, I think I realised that. And um, then obviously it all got postponed, etc. And then I did, I booked to see it in the West End and then it's when the cast were unwell and then it, it got, got postponed. postponed. <laughs> and then just happened the day that I had rebooked for, then it was just a Monday performance that got cancelled because that was going to oh be their new press gosh, night. So uh, it was, yeah, I actually, yeah, it, it got cancelled a few times. I finally saw it. I just went to the Piccadilly and I was so excited. And I've been listening to that cast album for, you know, years now. And oh, wow. I just absolutely loved it. So much, and I, I, I thought it was really interesting because you hadn't seen the film, yeah. And the film is like so kind of like epic. Um, and I think it's about 20 years old now, I uh, think. Is I think that right? it was released in 2001. Oh, okay, yeah, so around sort of two decades. And, um, and you know, I was surprised, and I thought that must be a whole different experience seeing that show and not knowing the story that mm. must be quite exciting well yeah that's really interesting if, if you don't know what it's about it's kind of set in paris at the turn of the 20th century and it follows the story of christian his young composer who falls in love with a cabaret actress called satine who's a star of the moulin rouge and um and then yeah then it features all these amazing pop songs and there's songs from the movie and the pop songs mm. that were in the movie plus all sorts of other hits from the last 20 years. It's and you've seen it twice now, haven't you? Since I've actually it. seen it three times. <laughs> but the, which tells you all you need to know. Tells me all but the first time I saw it, yeah, as you say, I hadn't seen the film. And I don't know, is it a spoiler? You kind of find out the opening number that the team kind of collapses yeah. and maybe isn't too well. And I was just so into it and heartbroken. Yeah. And, and I, I thought just from listening to it, I didn't kind of get that. So I thought it was going to be fun and celebratory. And up. But actually, it's quite kind of um, hard hitting in places. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, just, it's a love story and there's kind of some sadness involved. And it just really got me. And I was really into it. I was laughing that the way that, that Christian comes to meet Satine is brilliant. And, and I think it, works really well as a musical and what i love is that the audience as in just the average theater goers who i've been in the room with kind of most times i've seen it have just loved it you can just tell that there's much love for it in the room every time a song starts you know, i mean shut up and dance starts it's like it's fit it fits in very cleverly and everyone kind of there's basically a reaction every time each number begins and this goes next level in terms of you know, jukebox musical techniques of weaving in songs because they just weave in one song at a time. They weave in, you know, three or four. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because a couple of the reviews I've read, I think 
um, in one, it said there were 74 songs <gasps> in it. And there was some kind of... Um, that, so the reviewer who, who covered it for uh, my website said, I really enjoyed it. But he said that some t- there was occasions where he would just yearn for someone to stand on the stage and sing a whole song. And he kind of like, oh. well, that's obviously a different opinion. Yeah, but, yeah. but you didn't find the kind of, the amount of musical interludes that, no. that affected the sort of narrative. There are moments I love, like when Lucy LaFontaine sings Fireworks, she does kind of, she's standing and she's singing and belting out. But then the big production numbers, mm. it's so clever the way they weave together, shut up and dance with, I want to dance with somebody. You know, okay. At the same time, it's, I think musically it's genius. Okay. And this, I, I think it is. It features the best production numbers that we have in the West End. Potentially okay, wow. we've had for a long time. So the opening of Act Two, which is backstage romance, which starts with um, "Bad Romance" by Lady Gaga, and then goes in some cool directions, is just like the best Act Two opener. It is sizzling. Wow. It is sharp. That ensemble works so hard. They are featured so much throughout the show, and they are. It's one of those ensembles that you kind of almost feel like you know them after you've seen it a couple of times. You know, they just, they, they bring so much to it yeah. and it wouldn't be what it is without every single person that stage. And the choreography is fierce. Um, and then the principal cast are amazing. Yeah, you know I that I love Lisa LaFontaine. Yeah. When I saw her in Dreamgirls as Dina, she was just everything. And she has this presence in the cellure, which I think is incomparable no one else has that kind of energy she's a star so Satine is a very different role Mm. um but she just stands there and is just gorgeous and is wonderful and she you know was putting in these riffs and just subtle things and I just think she's divine and you know she's in the British accent and it's all you know it's completely different I just believe that she was a star I also got to see Tanisha Spring the alternate one time oh did you um who's been on this podcast before and she's totally brilliant as well there's so many there's it's such a such a great cast what about the chemistry between the leads what, what do we think of that? So Jamie, who plays Christian, mm. he's younger. And um, and yeah, I think they've got some great moments together. I like that he has a different voice uh, to take on these, some of these songs. He has a kind of a nice kind of mix. I'm going to say his voice is soft, but it's not like massive and belty. But then mm. in Act 2, he really comes through and he's growling his way through Roxanne. And there's just some really fierce moments. You've got, JC, um, you've got Jason Pennycook, yeah. who we all know is a star, like so funny. Simon Bailey oh, plays yeah. a duke. How is he? The duke is a brilliant role. And Simon Bailey is living his best life and is just perfect and brilliant. Yeah. And he has the best entrance in a musical that's seen for ages. And then you have Sophie Carbon-Jones, Zoe Burkett, Johnny Bishop and Tamika Ramsey who opened the show with Lady Marmalade and they are so featured throughout and they're yeah. brilliant. I just saw Toy and Thomas Brown as well who went on as Baby Doll and I saw his, him do it and again, a star. Swings, brilliant. It's just, yeah. I mean, I'm amazing. really pleased for them that you, you know, because I haven't obviously seen it yet but I mean, it looks incredible. Um, but I'm really pleased for them that they finally got off the ground. They had a horrible time, sort of over, know. you know, they were supposed to open a couple of times before Christmas and then they had to postpone and all this kind of thing. So good on, good on them that they're out there and running and, it's, and, it, and it obviously is having such an impact. I, I was going to ask you about, you know, being in the theatre with the whole look of the show because I've seen many photographs, but that's not the same as sitting inside the theatre and it looks so glamorous and so plush and there's the elephant and 
everything. It just looks really immersive. They put says. up draping around the the walls of the auditorium, so it just feels luxurious. The music's quite uh, kind of overwhelming. It's quite powerful when you walk in. There's like a pre-show where the some of the ensemble kind of come on stage and stare you out and swallow swords. And um, wow. and I didn't realise actually until I sat in the circle the most recent time I saw it. And some of the ensemble come in at the end, right into the dress circle and sing um, at one bit. And it, sorry, it's not it's not like cabaret where you're kind of really in it, but it is a big old expensive show mm. with big production numbers and a big design. And I think that's what we want to see in this time. We want shows like Frozen and Back to the Future and Cabaret and now Moulin Rouge, yeah. which feel luxurious, What's that feel like a big experience, that feel like, you know, they feel like the big kind of musicals that I loved seeing when I was a kid, where yeah. I was like walking That transport in. you. Yeah, and yeah. you're like in this world and it's so exciting. Like I felt like that kid again when I went to see Moulin Rouge for the first so time. Fantastic. I was just so excited to be there. I was so excited to see the show. And I absolutely loved it. And it was the best thing ever. Oh, wow. And you obviously, like, you know, because some people have said, you know, some yeah, some people are not so nice. No, so Moulin Rouge some has people had a have really said style over sub- substance. But yeah. you obviously I enjoyed in, all the yeah. style, but completely got engaged with the story. Totally. So that's, you know, you, you, you know, the people who put on shows can't, yeah, you know, well, no, I think that. that there's been maybe an element of snobbery for some yeah. people within the industry. And that's okay, because maybe this show isn't kind of the right show for them and doesn't tick their there's boxes. There's room for everything. There's room for everything, totally. But I think what's exciting about Moulin Rouge is I think your average audience member, I'm thinking of like my friends outside of theatre, if they went to see this, they would love it. They would, would love the music. Away. They would love the spectacle. They would love the cast. They would love the story. And it would be a really brilliant experience for them. Yeah. And certainly, you know, there wasn't an empty seat in that theatre every time I went to see it. It's yeah. been sold out. And... The gasp when songs begin, the response, the turning ovations. I think it's safe to say that plenty of people are absolutely loving the show. Wow. And long may that I continue. <laughs> Just going to get my phone to buy myself. Well, a we'll ticket. go. Yeah, yeah we must ca- yeah, go. No, yeah, absolutely. let's arrange that. Yeah. So high on the list. Moulin Rouge is booking at the Piccadilly Theatre until Saturday, the twenty third of June. But I'm sure it'll go for much longer. Um, oh my gosh, I can't deal with this. We can discuss now <laughs> so another of my favourite shows. So Dreamgirls is back. Hooray! And I've also seen that three times. <laughs> I've seen three Effies, yeah. It's never in, people. It's never in. Um, so Dreamgirls, of course, massively iconic show. First seen on Broadway in 1981, but we didn't get it in the West End until 2016. Mm, and now the at the end of 2021, it's kicked off its first ever UK tour. So I travelled to Liverpool to go to Press Night in Liverpool. Um, and then we went to Press Night in Milton Keynes. Yeah. And I went back again the next week to see it again in Milton Keynes. Not in another visit. Dreamgirls truly is. I can't remember if, I can't remember the time schedule when it's closed and if we ever discussed it on this podcast before. But it is one of my favourite, favourite, favourite yeah, shows. Yeah. Um, you you, we, you, hadn't seen it since, well, we went together. We went on the last night in the West End. It was the final performance in the West End yeah, and that was an incredible Which was night. a kind of just incredible night. So yeah. what was it like to it see was it great. again? God. I think that was my first show of this year, I think. So how brilliant was that for it to be? I just, it's just such an, inc- you know, it's one of those shows that doesn't date, I don't think at all. It just, it's just, it's just so uplifting and at the same, but at the same time, it's not kind of just sort of fluffy. It's it mixes real sort of proper universal gritty themes, 
with you know and that's that that kind of um you go through a lot these characters yeah you go through a lot you live you sort of journey on with them and you've got that wonderful like that contrast between which they kind of use in the look of the show between backstage and on stage so on stage it's all gorgeous outfits and beautiful color and lights and um, wonderful costumes and everything and then backstage and this is how the show is lit really there's a lot of you know dodgy goings on to do with Paola and like you know the way that the way that um, Curtis works um, the character Curtis works to do to make sure the dreams are like kind of um, successful and and then also the kind of um, what happens to the relationships between them all and that's all playing out backstage as well but it just doesn't you know it it, it doesn't date in any way the music every time I see it I enjoy it more it's mm. just the score is so brilliant the book is really good but it does very much obviously depend on how how fine the cast is at interpreting their characters and you know and also how they it's can a, almost it's a true star vehicle is it, it? Yeah. yeah and also how i think they can ad lib with their characters not ad lib with the script and you know and the, the muse and the lyrics but how they can sort of play with the character a bit and make it their own and uh, i thought this you know the cast we saw obviously the second time you saw it because you went back um and you i think you saw different people again or, so we, we saw charlene hector the alternate effie didn't we, we did we yes we saw charlene and she was fantastic actually and 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 i think you know we were talking about how people criticize musicals just before and you know i i, I think it's when you see you, you should people should then go and see something like dream girls because you know they're not just it is that triple threat thing and you have to really act your socks off in in dream girls and then you have to really then trans you know transfer that drama and that acting into the storytelling of the songs and i was really impressed because everybody's waiting for that big number charlene's big number oh, i'm telling you yeah they're all waiting You're, we're always on the edge of our seats thinking oh it's coming it's coming and you know and and the thing is that show you you could sing that song and belt it out and you know hit all the notes and it could still not have the impact if you're not giving it the emotional depth it deserves if you're not telling the story through the song and uh, I thought she she just did that brilliantly you know you're kind of almost holding your breath you know she's telling how she feels deep deep down you know it was I mean it's just yeah I was so impressed because you know we've we've both I mean you more so seen that song (laughs) you know quite often and and she just gave she just really gave it her own spin but she was she was really digging deep it wasn't just, um, well, this is my big number, I'm going to sing it big now. I'm go- No, I'm going to dig deep inside myself and I'm going to really show how my character is feeling now. Charlene's a really exciting new talent. Yeah. You don't know, she's she's comes from the world of music and she was like uh, the vocalist for Basement Jacks and has done all sorts of things and basically has spent a career as a singer and then she just came into theatre during the pandemic and Hairspray was her first ever show where she was covering Marisha Wallace and now second role she's Alton Effie in Dreamgirls and she is someone who should be on everybody's radar radar. go onto social media and find Charlene (laughs) Hector yeah Um, and also tune in to to In the Frame on Friday and you might find out even more about her there Um, little teeth are there everybody for me dream girls is like you said so cleverly written first of all and the way they juxtapose the kind of on stage with the backstage drama is brilliant because even when they're on stage doing these you know 
like performance numbers, the lyrics of the songs that are written, like Heavy, for example, yeah. are echoing, are showing us what's going on. It's just so, the, the lyrics and the structure of it is so genius yeah. and so clever. But as you say, it, it, you need that cast to lift it yeah. and to come through. And there have been so many iconic, incredible people who have played these roles. And let me tell you, this UK tour cast really are hot. insane. I want to shout out to... Um, Shout out to Brandon Lee Sears, who plays Jimmy, because I just thought he was... I mean, they were all brilliant, but I just felt like when he was on stage... He was doing the most. Oh, my gosh. He was like... A, I wrote in my review, I think he was like a man possessed. I just, <laughs> I just thought... It was almost like the music was just kind of taking... The music was I, just taking him Milton over. Milton Keynes were not worthy. Well, of... no, on that night, they were a little bit low-key. Not in our row, obviously. Yeah, we brought the energy, especially. <laughs> we brought yeah, the energy. But, I mean... You know, this is not, this is like, you know, knock your socks off stuff. And when he was, um, yeah, it, he was just like a man possessed when he was performing. And I just thought, this is what it's about. Live, you know, living the character, um, really showing what how the music affects you personally mm. and, and how, you know, brilliant he was at being his onstage persona and his offstage. Yeah. But they were all, I mean, yeah, they were well, all can excellent. I, can I just quick fire yes. through? Yes, please do. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Andrew's like cast summary. So yeah, Nicole Raquel Dennis, just effortless, you know, effortless vocals just makes her look easy. Yeah. And I don't know how you can do that, play a role at Effie and make it look easy. It's yeah. just literally I need to watch her deconstructing her vocal performance of what she does yeah, because definitely. it's just next level, you know, start. And I saw her do it in the West End when she was mm -hmm. covering it, you know. We all know she is a brilliant talent. Charlene Hector, oh my goodness, we've always discussed just yeah. just it came from this place. It was just so deep. It was she was Effie from the second she walked on that stage. Yeah. It was like I've got a rest. Like it was just she just was Effie. I just yeah. really connected to her. And I also got to see the following week, I saw Nicole Narambi. Um, I, I hope I've pronounced that right. Who was the first cover. She was on as Effie. And she was young and played a very different Effie. Um, and it was so emotional, Lisa. Me and Ben, I went with, we were just in the interval. After I am telling you, we... We weren't sure we were going to make it to the end. We, because she was weeping. She was just weeping, and it was the most emotional. And I'm telling you, I've ever seen. Wow. And she was sublime. And at the end, she fought. She fought for every note and for every word. She was fighting. Oh, you're it giving me goosebumps now. And we couldn't cope. And then that too, she just came back on. And in all those numbers, one night only, and I am changing. And listen, it looked like she was having so much fun. Mm. Like she was just loving it. Because obviously it's the first cover. She doesn't get scheduled shows every week. Yeah. But this was her show. Maybe she people in or whatever. She was just loving it. Um, she's incredible. Natalie Kasanga oh, she is, is great. born to play Dina Jones. Yeah. She is Dina. She's a sweet voice, but she can step it up. When she gets angry, do not mess oh, with Natalie yeah. Kasanga and that one. She is fierce. She's giving it. And then, you know, it gets a listen and she gets the one leash. Oh, I love but listen. But she's just so cute and kooky and just the part, like she, you believe that she's naive at the beginning. She really is. She uh, was playing in front of her own, her home crowd yes. when we saw it because she's from Milton Keynes. Yeah, as yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So lovely, yeah. Um, and then Paige Petty as Laurel. Oh, she was fierce. Is fierce. I mean, again, Laurel is kooky and funny, yeah. and Paige has so much fun with it, and she brings so much uniqueness to it. And then, yeah, you're right. In the yeah. second act, she just she... unleashes. <laughs> 
And you're like, do not mess with the rail either. Yeah, exactly. You know, she stands her ground and she's found so much new humour. She sings this like old Broadway style of kind of, and it's just yeah, like electric. Um, I, Dom Hartley Harris oh, I is Curtis. He excellent, didn't he you? just, oh my God, the vocals of Curtis. I was tearing my hair out. Yeah. He is so good. And he so acted good. so well. He yeah. acted it so well. So, and then yeah. Bra- Brandon Lucy is, as we discussed, yeah, does yeah. the most the above and beyond dancing. <laughs> I mean, he's been covering for years and done so many things and that he is having this moment and he is taking, taking it, it and running it and utilising every second as yeah. star. Yeah. Um, and Cher Mamari James, again, does vocals for days as CC. Mm. And I have to say, when we saw it, it was electric. When I saw it in Liverpool, it was electric. When we went back the third time to see it, I don't know, it was it was 20% even more electric. It was the most intense performance of Dreamgirls. I don't know what was happening, but they were just, like you said about the riffing off of each other and the, the banter and everything they have on stage, they were just going at it. And they yeah. were, oh, you know... Dom was sewing in these riffs and Brandon was doing more and Paige and Natalie were just on fire and then you had the car. It was just like, what is going on? I could not handle it. I, I could not handle Honestly, from the second it gets to family and you know that it's about to go on to Dreamgirls, which then goes into Heavy, which then goes into it's, not, it's All Over and then it goes into I'm Telling It. I just didn't breathe. I just, I could not breathe. I felt sick and unwell and could have wet myself. I no just did way. not know what to do. It was just too yeah. much. I was shaking. And when I saw it in Liverpool, I was just crying through so much of it because I love that show and, and it's just so but special. Isn't it great as well that, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, COVID, post-COVID and everything like that. And some tours didn't survive because, you know, for, for um, because of the repercussions of that. I just think it's brilliant that, you know, a show like Dreamgirls is, is, is going around the country and oh. getting supported by regional audiences. And, you know, Milton Keynes is an example of that, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Lots of keys and an example of what? I'm intrigued to know. This no, it's an example of a place that you know. The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. um, what I mean is that the if you look down, what's coming to Milton Keynes yes. and what people in yes. Milton Keynes can see, and they like dress up to go there to the theatre. Like, it's so um, exciting. Dream Girls and have School of Rock. Um, then the, you know, then they are getting um, Jersey Boys, um, Chicago. I mean, it's a whole load. You know, like obviously most number and one FYI venues people, on the tour. It's commutable from London. You know, and I just think it's just an example of um, how you can have a theatre not that far away if you can't get into London or you're a bit nervous, maybe post pandemic or whatever. And you can see all these great, great performers in great shows locally. Absolutely. We're so and lucky. it's so important that that is spread across the country and not just Touring centrally. So exciting! So important. So I meant sort of, you know, when you look down, what's coming up at at, at a place, you know, like a a space like Milton Keynes, it's it's very exciting that audiences across the country are getting to see, you know, theatre of that quality. You know, on top of obviously all the in-house production and everything, but you know, these tours, you know, tour like Mm. Dreamgirls as an example. Is a really top class mm. production. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much. And Milton Keynes is commutable from London. It so is as well. People can yeah. Go. I just wanted to say as well, actually, yeah. that the costumes and set are all redesigned from mm. West End. It's yes, got different. You were a bit look. of an expert on that. <laughs> what a surprise. I was like, yeah, she's now wearing green and not blue, yeah. <laughs> for what I'm telling you. Um, so it's just a little bit different, but it works. You know, it's a touring production, it works. It works yeah. And and yeah, lots of lovely stuff. So yeah. Dreamgirls is in Wimbledon in May, if you are a London person, but it is touring all over the UK and is currently booking through to February 2023. 
Right, okay, we're gonna get better at this now, aren't we, Lisa? Because <laughs> we're doing too much talking. Oh. Um, next up, uh, I want to talk about Wicked. Oh, Cal Supreme, <laughs> Andrew. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've said everything that can be possibly said about Wicked Never. podcast. I'll keep it quick. Um, but I went to Lucy Jones and Helen Wolf's first opening performance. Was it their very first night? It was their very first night. Yeah. And I've never ever been to an opening night in Wicked ever, which is surprising. Gosh, but that is surprising. I think people, I like to give people give time to run settle in. in. But I did go to Jennifer Denoy's second night because the response from her first night was so epic. That was jealous. You had to go. So I went the second night. Um, and um, yeah, so I mean, everybody's so excited about this casting. Lucy is phenomenal. She's got an amazing voice and she just had so much support it was the audience were wild massive entrance applause she couldn't even finish the wizard and i she went um you know at the very end half of Oz's favorite team and it was like applause 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 and she just she had to wait till they go the wizard <laughs> i've never seen anything like that happen oh my before God, she's got on such an anniversary on so last night so popular but I need to talk about Helen Wolf. Yeah, you, yeah, do. Because I'd never seen her before. But she did a lovely In the Frame interview. And she's been with Wicked for years and has played Elf on tour in the West End and covered it. And she is, I think, one of my favourite Glinda's ever that I've ever oh, seen. Oh, well, that's a huge compliment. She's so naughty. She's so funny. She's got the most stunning, proper soprano or you know, operatic um, kind of sound to her and just find so much comedy I think it could be a bit harder for the British Glinders to find the comedy when you're the, the way Glinda is mm. over here so preppy in, Amer- in America she's like a cheerleader and she's crazy yeah. you know um, but Helen just got so much from her and had great chemistry with Lucy like everything that they were doing together and popular was just so genius and um, you know it must be so overwhelming for them all but they mm. did a brilliant job she's come back just after maternity leave hasn't she Helen uh, yeah, Wolf yeah, yeah. So. I know and sublime and I saw on Instagram she was training she's been at the gym she's been getting ready working Gosh, hard that's pretty impressive um, and also I got to see just before the cast change I saw Carl Mann who's one of the covers play oh, Fiero okay. and he was absolutely brilliant he was the second cover and he was just Shout out to the covers, swings, understudies. True example. And then, as we speak right now, he has just gone. He'd left Wicked. Okay. And then he's come back for like ten days to play Fiero because everyone's got you know COVID COVID, or not well. Or honestly, the work that I mean, I know it's been recognised. I know that when I was looking at the um, stage awards recently, and they did a special award for uh, you know just understudies and covers. And um, yeah, I mean, you can't say too much about the work that they do mm. and and you know how they stand in and they've had to do it even more so recently i mean the expertise they have the skill set is yeah 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 awesome incredible well you know carl Mann could be playing fiero and as That's, the lead yeah. you know it just shows there's nothing uh, the talent out there is incredible yeah. and um you know so great that he got to go back and have a bonus yeah, good on him. show week as fiero That's fantastic. there's one funny thing in one short day um, there's you know there's that quick change they run off do a quick change oh, and yeah, come on this. in the Emerald City and um, something obviously went wrong with Helen Wolf's costume change because she didn't make it back on so Lucy did the whole verse which oh. is a duet you know doing like um, da, 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 it's all down and it's all green you know all these stuff 
Lucy was on stage and Helen was delivering her lines from the wings. Um, with like, I don't know, it sounded like she was doing it with a pinch of salt. It was really funny. And then when she finally got back on for the chorus, she got a big applause and it was hilarious. And didn't we, didn't we sit next to, aren't you going to drop <gasps> a name, Andrew? Didn't we sit next to someone well, at I that was performance? Sat, I was sat next to Shan Akko from Les Mis and she turned to me and was like, is she sitting on stage right now? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, she hasn't seen it before. She's just hanging out. We had a lovely time. Um, so Wicked is running at the Apollo Victoria Theatre. Uh, we went together to see Operation Mincemeat. We did. We both hadn't seen no. it. It's had so much hype. It's you don't know it had sold out runs at New Diorama in 2019, two sold out runs at the Sold Out Playhouse in 2020 and 2021, and it's winning all these awards. The year is 1943, and we're losing the war. Luckily, we're about to gamble all our futures on a stolen corpse. Mm. Lisa Martland, what were your <laughs> thoughts? I have to say, I mean, I have to say this is my fave this year so far. Um, it, oh. it is really sorry dream girl no 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 well I, I say the fave new show I've seen okay can I do that because I like to keep dream curls up there but obviously it's a show I've seen before I mean I've heard great things about it we've reviewed it on my website a couple of times and um, musicaltheaterreview.com musical theatre review you know, plug plug and um, and the person who reviewed it for us in this other playhouse run absolutely loved it I think I just I think it's so so clever. Um, I did um, recently listen to a wonderful in the frame um, <laughs> interview <laughs> with three members of the Spitlip Spit team, which was actually in itself pretty entertaining. They, they were, were very so funny. funny. That was a really funny. The story episode. of the show, which we obviously won't go into in depth here, but we haven't got time, is just really interesting. Um, but it's just it's so clever. It's got so much heart. There's brilliant physical comedy going on, um, mixed with a telling of quite a complex story as well. And then it really sort of when just when you're you're not expecting it, it kind of you know breaks your heart as well. There's a, a ballad in the first act towards the end, which um, Jack Malone, I think, is his name. Yes, he plays. Uh, he's amazing in it because most of the time he's playing this kind of matriarchal sort of um, person who works in MI5 office who's. Of you know, and and you never sort of ever um, you know question that he's a woman in you know playing this character. He's just sort of um, you never you just never question that he's brilliant. At his character work is so brilliant, but he plays things this ballad about you know how um, the women felt when their close you know their loved ones went off to war, and it starts off and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a funny song, and then before I mean I was in, like, in tears by the end of it, so it was it and then the, the final um, part of the first act is when they're taking the this this corpse to um, to put it on a submarine in order to float it off the coast of Spain and that scene is um, put alongside um, another one in kind of a nightclub and it sort of kind of switches from one to the other and they're all playing roles in each scene and the way that is coordinated they're genius I mean it is just amazing to watch how they flip they've got tiny little bits props or bits of costume under their arms or in their hands and then they're quickly swapping hats or whatever and the two scenes with the same people playing different roles are running alongside each other and so it's just so clever and then and then also they you know at, at the end they um they spend time a little bit of time um paying tribute to the person the the actual person whose body it was 
that um, was used, you know, to do this incredibly bonkers thing, which, um, you know, I mean, it's question, you know, the p- historians question about how much impact it had, but it definitely saved hundreds, maybe thousands of lives, um, you know, in, in 1943 and um, fooled Hitler into moving masses of his army from one country to another. So there's, the, uh, I thought it was funny um, that um, I think it was, I don't know if it, I think it might have been in your podcast where they said, you know, people, when they first did it, didn't believe it. Like they said, well, you know, you're not going to get away with performing this show because no one's going to believe that ever happened. And they, people didn't know it was a true story. So it's absolutely hard to believe it really happened. But yeah, I just thought they were brilliant. And, um, and I loved, I'd love to hear the score again. I asked um, them. You asked them about well, that. We'll and they said, an album. and I thought it was really funny what they said because they said, well, you know, it's still not finished because they still can't leave it alone. Still tweaking and yeah. And there was also, I'm going to stop talking a bit. There were also um, really funny sort of um, contemporary resonances as well with how governments run when they don't actually reg- like take consideration of what regular people want. I can't imagine what the relevance of that was. Mm-hmm. And they even threw in an ad lib at the end and sang a little bit of happy birthday <gasps> to kind of <laughs> relate to relate to recent events so i thought well that was brilliant as well so i, I love so much about well, that, it david cumming natasha hodgson yeah please sorry, the name. natasha hodgson and zoe roberts who are the three people that from spitlip who did the podcast with me yeah. are just total and there's felix hagen who was part of that yeah yeah well, yeah wasn't on the podcast exactly yeah. but, th- it's only, but felix is in the show it's only the three of them that are in the show so the fact that they're written yeah. it and they're in it yeah they're all so talented. but yeah. watching them was just incredible. They were particularly just so funny in everything they do, in their movements and their expressions. And they've all they're all very funny in very different ways and have very different skills. And I love that they've all come together to write this. Yeah, and it was amazing because it was their first music because they their you first know musical mus- first time. musical. And um, it yeah it was in, I mean in your in the frame that was really interesting. <laughs> Just plugging that for you. Um, that was really interesting about hearing the process of how they went about a musical because they realised that they'd very much been focused on pure comedy before and physical comedy, and that now they had to kind of connect so much more with mm. a with a narrative and and sort of characters and the journey those characters went mm. on and telling a story. Mm. Um, and they've really done that, I think. Um, also, yeah. Claire Marie Hall is also brilliant. Oh, and so yes. is Jack, as you say. Yeah, they're um, all great. And I'm just yeah. so excited to see how this show could look in the future because obviously it was, you know, it's, it's at a Playhouse, pretty cheap design, etc. Yeah. Will it come to the West End? Where's it going to go? What are they going to do with it? I think anybody could play these five roles. I mean, I'm talking of any gender, of who look like anything who are anything as long as they're funny i think they could play these roles i I think it's a really exciting it's funny because you asked them about that and they said oh well you know what how amazing it would be to not have to be in it (laughs) it must be exhausting (laughs) but they love love it and i think it's it's their baby isn't it and i think it's hard it must be hard to imagine other people doing that but i hope it has a future because it works so people want to see it yeah. people are queuing up for returns every if day if you could find the right intimate space it's definitely got you know I, I wouldn't I just think it needs more you wouldn't maybe. put it in the palladium you'd want no, to put it in I the think duchess yeah. yeah exactly but I, I think you know this is a, I know it's been you know it was at the new diorama it was at Southern Place as it's had huge success at those and it deserved it but I think it's you know got mm. further audience also in this year there's a movie coming out uh, with Colin Firth and Matthew McFadden 
um, which is based on the same story. No songs, I think. No. Uh, <laughs> but that's a coincidence as well. So um, there have been all kinds of versions, and there was like a, yeah, there were sort of all kinds of versions. I love that. It, it says here, singing in the rain meets strangers in a train. No coward meets no fielding. <laughs> um, hilarious. Yeah. Sadly, well, Operation Mincemeat runs at the Southwark Playhouse until the 19th of February, but you it's can't sold see it because it's sold it? out. Yeah. Keep a day returns or keep listening to our sound frame show and we'll tell you when there's tickets or when it when it, you know, when it, when it yeah. transfers. Um, another show that I saw was Hex at the National Oh, yeah, I'm really interested in And obviously we weren't allowed to review it. No one's allowed to review it. So this is just a discussion, not a review. Oh, of course. Okay. Um, <laughs> Hex <laughs> is a new take on Sleeping Beauty, um, book by Tanya Ronda, music by Jim Fortune, and lyrics by Rufus Norris. And it's kind of from the point of view of the fairy who cast a spell over beauty. So... It's set deep in the woods and this lonely fairy played by Rosalie Craig um, is longing for someone to bless, but then she casts this kind of spell over beauty and she's plunged into a frantic hundred-year quest to make everything right again. Um, it's basically a very dark Sleeping Beauty. Okay. And I was... I had no idea what to expect. I had no expectations. It was absolutely visually stunning. Okay. And there is some incredible music in it. It was... I was so surprised. There's a number that like, the kind of the beauty character sings, which is in, I, I need to go and see because they did release some songs online. I need they to, did. I need yeah. to check which ones they were, and because there was some really great music in it. It's it does need a lot of work done, and they kind of stopped this run, didn't they? And they've yeah. been to come back to it. Hopefully, again, it'll it'll reopen at Christmas, which is going to be exciting. So they do. Mm. For me, the biggest thing is I don't really know who it's for. Okay. So it is dark to the extent of where babies are being eaten by ogres and fairies are killing animals to feed to the ogre and all these very dark things are okay. happening and I was like a five-year-old girl who was sat in front of me who I think is probably traumatized for life um however it still has that kind of fairy tale childish vibe to a lot of the music and to a lot of the scenes like it's not swearing and adult humor and making yeah. amusing me so I I, I I kind of think that either it needs to be fully pitched for children and family audiences and therefore made less frightening, which would be a shame because I thought the dark bits were actually quite good. Yeah. Or they need to go darker and more adult okay. and make it into like something that, that you know, kind of interesting gothic people want to go and watch. <laughs> like they, myself. They put, did they put an age like limit on it? I don't know. No. I don't know. Yeah. But there I was have... a child in front of me, like I said. Yeah. They have, well, I suppose then they must have, been fine about that child attending i know they put out like a quite a, a comprehensive sort of tracks you know sort of recording of some of the tracks um during the run because obviously they had all kinds of problems themselves with covid and you know yeah. it just didn't go to plan and in the end because unlike like a west end show where it's got a re you know maybe an open-ended run they had a limited run on at the national and it got to the point where they just thought we're going to see much. out the end of the run but we've had so many you know, sort of delay. I think there was hopes that it would extend and stuff, and yeah. obviously it didn't. So obviously, it do, they do need to go away and have another. And they've had, they've had a press know. night, yeah. Yeah, they didn't even have a press. It was probably a good decision, really, because it's as you say, perhaps it's they don't feel it's ready. So, but yeah, that's interesting what you say. I mean, because it's got some some lovely music, some good performances by the sounds of it. But they but they need to choose a direction, I think, and yeah, and 
decide because obviously at the national you have kind of a given audience don't you yeah. that's the advantage of working at the national because people will go and see it because you're doing something at the national but if this went on tour if this came into the west end yeah. or went regional i just think you need you need for the piece of theater to know who it's for yeah. and you need to know who your audience are for and if i was working in marketing or pr I wouldn't know, know how, to how to pitch, pitch it, it, which no. is... Uh, and, and, and maybe they're still finding their way and they realise that. I mean, it's good that they're doing work like this at the National. Because, I mean, I love the National when they do a revival, you know, because they do it so said well. one musical a year, haven't they? Yeah. The so they love, I love it when they do a revival, but it's great that they're... Tr- it is great that they're, they're taking on new work. I mean, obviously, Ruth Norris is involved in this as well because he wrote lyrics. But it is great that they're taking on new work and they're doing unusual things. You know, great that they're pushing the boundaries... But it sounds like maybe it reminds me of the Light Princess in some ways. I was going to ask you whether it because it had Rosie Craig and it was so creative. (laughs) Yeah, and that had a fairy tale kind of feel. Oh my gosh, Justice for the Light Princess! It's just one of the best shows ever. I mean, yeah, I'd love to see that again. I have to. I saw that three times during this round. That was, I mean, that that was beautiful. But I just think it's great. You know, they're pushing the boundaries. They're trying to do new work. It, you know, hopefully. You know, it'll I just come want to back say actually that the company were amazing. Tamsin Carroll, it was oh, the yeah. best role I've ever seen her in, Brilliant. vocally and physically, just so fierce. But all the supporting cast, all the vocals, everybody, it was a top-notch cast. Rosie yeah. Craig can do no wrong. And to have her belting in my face was just the best thing ever, really. Mm. Fantastic. Can't ask better than Rosie Craig belting in your face. No, what more could... You know, we'd all like to wake a up A stage to you want. Yeah. Um, we went to see Heather's last week. We did. So sorry, like, sorry. Uh, Heather, um, I'm terrible. Sorry. I've forgotten how to do a podcast. Hex will hopefully return to the National Theatre later this year. Shame. Take two. We went to see Heathers last week, didn't we? I was a Heathers virgin, everybody. You were. You popped your Heathers cherry. I've like, I looked back on the website and like, we'd reviewed it four times. On um, Musical Theatre Review. On, yeah. yeah, on Musical Theatre Review over the last, you know, since it's, that that production has come back. I was desperate to like, I must see it. Why have I not got around to it? Well, this production's had an interesting journey. It, it started at the other palace originally. I've got the year here back in 2018. Then it went straight into the West End. This will pay market. Then, after the pandemic, it came back to the Theatre Royal Haymarket yeah. and went on a UK tour. And now it's returned to the other palace where it all began. It has, and, it, you know, obviously the other palace has reopened on yeah. the new ownership. It was so wonderful yeah, to be back it was. Lo- I'd forgotten. I think we both talked about how... What, how much we like the space. You know, it's just a really nice city to visit. The bar's great. And the toilets. Just, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I really love the other yeah. palace. He does spend quite a long time in the toilet because, he, <laughs> because, I, because he's on his Instagram. He says he's not, but he's like secretly on his Instagram. <laughs> Exposed. I have, a, I have oh. I hope not. I had a lot of ep- uh, a lot of messages to reply to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to Heather's. Um, I went. Mean, I'm not sure. So, I had, <laughs> start again. I had um quite uh, not low expectations. Uh, not low expectations of you the production. You weren't sure this was going to be for you. Yeah. So I had not. I didn't think the. I didn't think it was going to be um, a low quality production. I didn't think the people in it weren't going to be very good. I just know that those kinds of sort of cult sort of eighties movies. And often have a very dark side. And, you know, obviously this one, I know, very dark. dark. And so I wasn't sure whether I'd connect with it particularly, but I enjoyed it um, a lot more than I expected to. I mean, it's not a massive cast, is it? But they really, and but they're all 
brilliant in it. Um, oh gosh, everyone, they've got the strongest company yet again. And there's such a feel, I mean, there's a feel in the audience because it's got such a cult following. So as we walked out at the end of the performance, we saw three Heathers in the audience um, and the costumes were like fantastic. So it's got this cult following. Just to say, if you don't know, it's basically yeah, a kind of film, as Lisa say. says, and it follows this schoolgirl Veronica who tries to fit in with the elitist clique of the Heathers. Yeah. So you've got the three Heathers. And I think, um, you know... I think as um, Elsa Davison, who plays, you know, Veronica... You could have quoted the frame. Fantastic, <laughs> in the frame that I've listened to only, only yesterday and today. I'll pay you later. <laughs> Thank you, 20 quid in the post. Um, <laughs> that, I, mean, she, I mean, she had a really... I mean, her, her journey into this role was amazing. Um, but, you know, I loved how she talked about how much she loved the character and um, how she'd learned from the character and how and why she thought it resonated with a young theatre audience. It's interesting because, as, yeah. as I said in the interview, it's such a dark character who kind of ends up killing people. It does. And, but aside of the, <laughs> aside of the killing, she, she was saying that, you know, it, it sort of sends this message that, um, you know, good is all, good, you know, um, good over evil, but also about... Um, you know, if we make mistakes in the world, you know, we all make mistakes. We all kind of um, have experiences which are hard to come back by, from. And, you know, I think it really kind of probably tunes in um, with young people, teenagers, you know, I'm sure older as well. But, you know, who are kind of, you know, making their way through the world and having all kinds of pressures from family and school and social media and, and I think they find a lot that resonates with them in the show. And I think when we were there the other night, we talked about how fantastic it is, you know, the connection it's made with a young theatre audience because, you know, shows don't always do that. And it's brought all these people in. And I thought it's lovely what she said in the in in the interview um, that you did with her about... <laughs> sorry, keep plugging. But she said that... And there was this group in particular that... You know, new fans were coming on board and the people who in the group were saying come on in you know you love heathers come on into the group you know and people make their fr make friends through it and everything like that and i thought you know that is the opposite of the cliqueiness that can be in the teenage world so um yeah i and also i like this i really liked there was a lot of the score i i really liked I, i'd happily go and buy the score now and listen to it again mm. which I don't know if I expected as much because I knew a couple of the songs but I have to admit I didn't know the whole and score and Elsa Davidson is belting well, she, out those yeah, numbers she is I'm from the beginning I was so impressed with her she is on it and she is like the show isn't it I mean I know the Heathers you know I know it's the Heathers but she is just on Vocally, all the time she is carrying it yeah she, yes yeah. I think you're absolutely right um yeah she was right but we also saw Jacob Fowler who was you know kind of was the cover for JD as well and I think you said he'd been on quite yeah, a I bit yeah I think he's on most of time now and yeah. he is just he was great as well perfect JD yeah yeah because that's quite a difficult dark it's very yeah. dark and it's a tricky up. role isn't it really because uh, you've got to believe that she kind of, you know, carries on being with him for quite a while, even after, you know, the murders begin. Um, so, yeah. And I, I thought, I thought, like, I, but I also like the kind of extra, the numbers in the second act. I that, say no. Yeah. I, I thought they were really strong. And oh, I like, no. I, well, I really also like. The, the seven foot one. 
I like the ones where the different characters came uh, into the fort yeah, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Um, I like Lizzie B has her moment. Yeah, Lizzie B has her moment. Then my dead gay son, yes. which was um, Kieran Brown <laughs> and Sam Faraday. I thought that was a knock- brilliant like little production number. And also um, Shine a Light with Vicky Lee Taylor. Yeah, I thought she because she also has to like you know play with someone in the audience, and she does that really well. So there were. What I was kind of nicely surprised about in the second act is that beyond the main story, which has these great songs mm-hmm. like 17 and stuff, there is some really good stuff with the ensemble members as well. So, you know, I know they're not really drawing those characters out particularly, but they're, they're mm. good numbers, I think. And we also saw, I think it was Hannah Loeb who was on a, had a yes, charm she, Yes, good. Well, yes. Who was, who was amazing her. and had so much energy and was so fierce. Yeah, and another cover and just... Again, like, insane. They all bring the... Anyway, Heather's is a hard show, I think, to do because yeah. it just... Rela- again, it's, you have to have so much energy and have so much fun with it and do all these things with it. And this cast were phenomenal. And I think, ultimately, Heather's is one of my favourite shows. It's kind of, I put it in the same bracket as Be More Chill. I think, for me, the kind of the joke almost wears off and it doesn't like personally just grab me but yeah. I can see how much like you say it's got new people into theatre it's bringing up younger audiences in who are then supporting these cast members off into other shows yeah. and it's becoming you know fully fledged theatre goers and also I really enjoyed seeing it again at the other palace this yeah. was the closest I've ever sat it was really intimate they were all in our faces I think it was the most I've appreciated it yeah. I think it, it, it fits really nicely in these small yeah I, I mean I didn't see it Theatre hey Market actually but I think from you know and I don't know how they extended the staging for for that but um, it, wor- it works really well at the other palace and again I don't think you know it's it would be in my top sort of you know five ten musicals I think that's partly because of the nature of the material you know uh, and and the kind of story the things, doesn't yeah. doesn't connect with me emotionally as as much as maybe some others do but I was Nicely surprised by how good the production was, mm. and um, and the, you know and the score as well. You know, I definitely go and revisit the score. But Absolutely. yeah, they're doing a great job there. Absolutely. So Heather's runs at the at <laughs> it, it runs somewhere. <laughs> so Heather's runs at the other palace until the first of May. But please know, quite a lot of the cast complete their run this weekend. And we don't actually know who the new cast are at actually, the time of recording. But it will be told. The news will come here on the West End Frame Show. Oh, I don't musical theatre review. I don't yeah. musical theatre review. Sorry, I was too busy plugging you there. Um, so yeah, lots of love to everyone in Heather's. Um, okay, we're going to fire through these last few. I have seen uh, a few other shows. So okay. this week I went to see Dirty Dancing, which has returned to the West End for a run at a Dominion theatre um and dirty dancing we have had it in the west end multiple times it's always touring and um i've seen it a few times over the years this is a new production this one i think it's based on the italian version of dirty dancing the design and everything okay it's not the original one that we had in the west end festival um dirty dancing is literally a kind of rather than being like a musical like um Legally Blonde or Kinky Boots, you know, where that's pretty a, woman, a, a maybe. Pretty Woman, where it's a, you know an adaption, a different kind of. They, they use the film as a you know the source material, and they create something new and fresh with it. Um, Dirty Dancing is basically a tribute to the film on stage because it is practically word for word, song for song, exactly what you get on the film. You know, Baby and Johnny aren't singing songs. It's kind of other people who sing the songs that were literally on the soundtrack to the film. So it's a bit of a different concept. 
And for me, that makes me sad because it lacks creativity. It's not a successful structure because the cinematic structure of the scenes just don't translate as well on stage. It feels a bit kind of choppy, I guess. Um, and also, you know, I think you want your characters to be singing. You want to, you know, the, the whole beauty of theatre is that you can go to different places and explore all different things in all different ways. I think if you look at something like Legally Blonde, um, that's a really good example because that's a hugely successful musical and an incredible show, and it still pays homage to the source material. Um, actually, I would say that that show you don't like very much, Mean Girls. <laughs> I'm joking, you do like I've it. I've seen it once. Mean Girls is a really good example as well because they keep the, the iconic lines in Mean Girls but they, re, they replace it all mm. and it kind of it's a musical that's amazing but people who love the film will still enjoy it and still be satisfied yeah. I suppose the difference in like with Legally Blonde and Mean Girls is there wasn't much music in the music wasn't integral was it would, would that be right to the original films? No, but still a lot of these songs in Dirty Dancing are still... A lot of no, them were just in the background. Is, so it's, it, what I'm saying is, you know, it's great that they took those films and they created this music yeah, for yeah, them. Yeah. And they created a whole different sort of project, didn't they? The whole difference, it was, you know, creativity was integral. I think what they've done with Dirty Dancing is they've kind of... There was music in the film. And so they've kind of decided, well, we'll let that sort of, you know we'll let that work alongside the story but we won't kind of try and integrate the music into the, the yeah, sort of core narrative be, I guess that would have been which a would have been an obvious thing to do but they just um but instead the music almost as far as I remember from seeing it before kind of you know, stands to the side of what the performers yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And, and then it's kind of hard for it all to be integrated. I think isn't a good it? example actually is Back to the Future because that incorporates some yeah, of the songs, songs from the yeah. film in a so, different way. So, so what they've done with like Mean Girls and Eagerly Blonde is so 100% creative. But you could still do original. Uh, they could have. I think you could do you the know, dancing yeah, in an original way. Absolutely. Yeah, no, music. I'm. But or you yeah. could do it with the songs from the film. But have but more, baby more, and Johnny singing them and yeah and different structure. Um, however, you have to say that Dutty Dancing does get people into the theatre because people still love this film. Lots of hen nights. Lots of hen. Yeah, lots of just drunk night people. Out. Yeah, I know it's a bit worrying. Um, and people having a field day. It was so funny. I went with my friend Ben, who has never seen. Dirty Dancing I can't believe the film. he's never seen the movie. Um, even I've seen the film Dirty Dancing. So when the, the watermelon line happened and everyone applauded, he was like, what's going what? on? And then when they said nobody puts baby in a corner and everyone screamed and lost their minds. He was like, why have people lost their minds? What yeah. is happening? It was so funny. I suppose what they could have done is, is done a bit like, well, not Moulin, you know, a bit like Moulin Rouge, take some music that was in the film and then create some new music and combine it together. But I think even if they'd taken just the music in the film but made it more integral to the how the show worked, but they don't, you know, because, as you say, the characters aren't singing to each other, mm. you know. And then a lot of the music is pre-recorded, isn't it, as well, still? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I'd say the cast are brilliant. Yeah. You know, it's, they are doing an amazing job. They have lots of great chemistry. You know, it's lovely to see people having a lovely time mm. at Dominion. Um, and, yeah... You know, Dutchy Dancing, I guess, has served its purpose. It does what it says on the tin. Yeah. And it is running at the Dominion Theatre until the 16th. It says here of February, but I think I potentially mean... Oh, April. Thank you. Thank you. I know it's probably not... I'm pretty sure it's April. 
Dirty Dancing runs the <laughs> in the main problem. Um, <laughs> uh, I also saw The Wiz. So I, I, well, I didn't see it in real life, sadly, which I was gutted oh, about because it, it was cancelled. So I ended oh. up seeing, I, I paid to see the stream version. I'm so, yeah, I'm so disappointed because I saw um, the stream version when they did Rent. But, oh, and that was so well filmed. Which was so amazing. The Wiz actually wasn't filmed as beautifully as Rent. But I wanted to watch The Wiz in the same way, um, but, f- you know, I, I wasn't able to. Life. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, life. It was brilliant. Life I was the way. so happy to see it. I love The Wiz. I think it's got an incredible score. I think this version of it was so brilliant. It kind of was kind of reimagined. It kind of uh, had more kind of Britishness to it. And... Um, I wish I was in the room. I wish I could have yeah. been in that theatre and felt the energy because I just know that there was such a joyful show and does amazing things to people. Um, but, you know, this cast, we were just so spoiled. Sherelle Williams was just stunning as Dorothy and has the most amazing voice. Cameron Bernard Jones was living his best life <laughs> as the Wiz. He's not like Brandon Lucia's. He was kind of... Having, you know, he's been in the ensemble and covering his cover eye cantina. And here he was living his best life in the Wiz, as the Wiz, prancing prancing around that stage. Um, Campus Christmas, just amazing. Um, And I want to mention Bree Smith as well, Alantem and Glinda. It was just stunning. It was a really special bunch of people. I could kind of feel some of that energy through my screen. Mm. And I just really hope that we get to see it. It's got to transfer. And there's issues with the rights, etc. Oh, are there? Um, Because they might be doing it on Broadway. So that kind of blocks it. I was hoping it it would come in, you know. But I would love, even if they could bring it back to Hope Mill later in the year. Yeah, even if they brought it back to Hope Mill, I'd get, you know, get on that train to to Manchester. And then finally... I went to see Get Up Stand Up, oh. the Bob Marley musical. And hey, I went to see this with no expectation. I didn't, you know, I know Bob Marley, but I didn't know much about him. I didn't know very much about it. And Lisa, again, I had the most incredible night. I was on my own in the front row. Oh my God. And it was a party. Wow. It was an absolute party. This music means so much to so mm. many people. And Bob Marley's an icon to so many people. I love it. It kind of says, experience the remarkable story of Jamaica's rebel superstar. And that is so true. You learn, well, I learned a lot about him by watching this and how he was a bit of a rebel and how performing and everything was his life and he didn't have time for anything else, including looking after his health, etc. Mm. And, and, you know, potentially made some mistakes and, mm. and and stuff but he was so successful and had such a massive following and was living in this crazy bubble yeah and i mean the way the show is structured it kind of very much plays with the fourth wall there's lots of direct address there's kind of uh, lots of reminders that we're in a the theater everyone in the cast is introduced in the that. opening number they say this is Shanae who's oh. playing this oh, really? role and oh, who's brilliant. playing Cindy and this is Gabriel. Like it's it's really the spirit of it is welcoming it welcomes the audience in to this show and it feels immersive without kind of being immersive and the spirit and the joy was just infectious. And we were all up on our feet dancing. Arunse Kane is absolutely insane as Bob Marley. Every ounce of energy goes into that performance. It is, it is intense. He is sublime. He is going to win so many awards for his performance so. in this show. 
Um, but I want to shout out to Daniel Bailey, who plays multiple roles, but he opens it. He kind of comes out in one of the boxes and is getting everyone excited and revving everyone up. And he kind of plays, he's hugely featured throughout um, and is utterly brilliant. And you've got Gabrielle Brooks, who plays Rita, and Sinead Holmes as Cindy. And they are both forces to be reckoned with. I mean, the level of talent in the show is actually off the scale. And they, Gabrielle, is just a pure class act. And Sinead, you know, has this voice, which is just so special. Mm. And they were sublime. I think it's great that we've got shows like that, you know, like, because I think there's a bit more diversity um, in the West End is a good thing. And also, um, yeah, you know, and also, different stories. also shows that different stories and, and shows that um, in their subject matter, the themes are you know, sometimes sadly, um, resonate today as much as they ever were, you know, as, as yeah. much as they ever did. So I think it's, you know, it's great. To ha- it's great to have that for the joy of his music and the passion he had and for well, people he, yeah. to know more about him. But it's also important, I think, for some of the themes that underlied his music. And yeah. obviously they tackle in the show, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. They're just he, yeah. as important like, in, in yeah. society now, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, he set out to touch the world with his inspirational musical message and soul-stirring advocacy mm. for the oppressed. Yes. Like, and we're he, still not there, are we? No, absolutely, absolutely not. Um, it, it, this show, I think a lot of people need to see it. And it was actually, I have to say, wonderful to be part of a diverse audience as well. Yeah, which, I, you know, I'm not which sure. Which is very unusual. You go yeah. and see, even when you go and see shows like Hamilton a lot of the time, like 99% mm. of the audience are white. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of in their 40s. It's so bizarre. And then hopefully there'll be people, you know, he'll inspire a whole new generation. Yes. Do you know, by people going along to see that show and say, oh, you know, a parent saying, oh, you should hear more of Bob Marley's music, you should know more about his story. And, you know, younger people going along and thinking, well, I knew I knew a bit about him, but now I'm, you know, learning more, listening to his music more, picking up on, you know, his passion and commitment mm. um, more. And that can't be a bad thing. On top of it being, you know, an, a wonderful show to watch. Absolutely. So Get Up Stands Up is booking at the Lyric Theatre until the 17th of September. <laughs> Phew. We did it! <laughs> I can't believe it! Have fun editing that. Andrew. Oh my gosh, I have to say, this has actually <laughs> been a good way for me to get back in the groove. Kind of, so I have forgotten how to do this. You haven't. You're still as golden as you ever were. I have something for you. <gasps> Presents. Oh, it's exciting. Oh, you have already, you not opened it? You do already have one, but <gasps> I thought it was time to give you another. But actually, oh, I could have dropped it. That would be not good, wouldn't it? Yay! Yay! Oh, so exciting. <laughs> West End Frame Mug. And you have a West End Frame Show mug already, right? But this I is did. a West End Frame Mug. Yes. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, listeners. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Lisa just bashed her mug around the mic. Sorry, I was just overwhelmed with excitement. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm privileged. Not at all. Go home and have a hot chocolate in it. <laughs> um, where, where can people stay up to date oh with dear, all things Lisa Martin? Um, okay, so yes, but please um, have a look at musicaltheatrereview.com. Um, we're on Facebook, we're Musical Theatre R on Twitter um, and on Instagram too, and on YouTube and LinkedIn. Everywhere. Yes. Oh we're my everywhere. Goodness. 
And, um, so yes, please engage with us, and we like to hear about new musicals as well. So, you know, we're just musical theatre is our thing. Have you enjoyed this? Has it been less painful than you thought? Yes, I always get nervous, you know, because you know you're so you're so intimidating. <laughs> Joking. When we had this amount of stuff to talk about, you could have. This you is have like, to get I, into like a it. bit of a deja vu back to the first time we ever did it when we talked about our little Broadway trip. Mm. And um, you'd seen nine shows, I think, then. Um, so that was like a. Even more, yeah. Yeah, it might have been even more than that. But yes, so it's a rapid rush through. But yeah, no, it's always um, just such a joy. Well, it's a joy Being to your have company. you on. I love talking theatre with my hardcore co hosts like you. Oh, I mean, you know, um, hardcore dame. <laughs> Uh, but listen, it's so great to be back. Thank I've you loved for every second. Me. Thank you for doing it. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the West End Frame Show. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us an Apple Podcast rating and review. We always love hearing from you. So follow West End Frame on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our interviews podcast, like Lisa does, in All the frame. The time. Um, there are new episodes out. We've just started season six. So you can listen to interviews with Maz Murray, Louise Dearman, and Elsa Davidson. And I'll be back next week for another stagey catch up. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you.